First off, this isn't a story about football necessarily. This is about an individual fan experience that couldn't exist anywhere else except that stadium in that night. And since it's my first season living in the area, I wanted to make sure that I went to every single home game. Plus, I found out that if you wait till the day of the game or a little bit before game time, you can actually get tickets pretty cheap, like maybe around $60 or something depending on who's playing and whatnot. I'm definitely here for that. A big portion of the story is me having to endure eye rolls at work when I asked to leave early to see a football game and just me commuting to the actual game itself, which took a lot longer than I thought it would. But long story short, there's a lot of speeding, cursing, braking, and even an $11 toll road for a toll I have yet to pay from October, so this is actually a good reminder to do that. I arrive at the stadium about two minutes after kickoff, which means that I've been driving 45 minutes to travel 11 miles. Yeah, brutal. Near the stadium, I'm driving around frantically looking for parking. Some garages are charging like $50, $60 just for event parking, which makes me think two things. One, you know, get out of my face with that. And two, I'm, I'm in the wrong business. I need to start owning some parking spaces. Anyway, it's now been about 15 minutes of me listening to the game on the radio and looking for parking. All the while reminiscing about a spot I saw earlier, but foolishly thought I'd find something better, you know, closer. Nice. So, I have to mention something here, which I think every true sports fan will appreciate. Up to this point, I feel like when I watched the games live in Seattle at the stadium, I feel like I'm a jinx. Because up to this point, I've only seen three games live, uh, a loss to the Chargers from last season, a narrow win over the Bengals in week one, and then a loss to the Saints with Teddy Bridgewater as their quarterback. But everything's going well. Rams are being held to field goals, and I hear this call from Steve Rabel while I'm listening on the radio. Motion on the left side. Russell, play fake, steps back, has time, still surveying the field. Now he rolls left. Now he scrambles. Now he's going to throw to the back of the end zone. Reaching up, making the catch. Did he get his feet in again? Touchdown, Seahawks! from 13 yards out. I mean, where else can you hear toenails mentioned other than Steve Rabel's call in the Seattle Seahawks game? Man, after a lot more cussing and breaking, I finally get lucky with the spot for free about a mile from the stadium. So I call an Uber. I'm, I'm just done playing around. I just need to get to the game already. Get in the car, get the driver to put the game on the radio, and then we're off. So this is kind of the silver lining to me being late to the game as I'm approaching the stadium in a very nice, brisk power walk. You can hear the, the roar from the crowd in the stadium and it, it sounds really, really cool. So although I never want to be late to a game again, that was, that was a pretty nice experience. I finally get in the stadium and all I want to do is grab a beer and get to my seat. But as per the theme of this story, that can't be an easy thing to do either. So I'm walking around trying to find a tolerable line, and things are still going well for the Hawks. Play fake, drops back, gonna throw it deep, got a man, it's Metcalf, he's out there, touchdown, Seahawks! <laughs> 
Nice little score from the rookie on a route he's not known for running. Um, so I finally find a line and you know I'm peeking ahead of, in front of the people in front of me and I notice the bartender in my line's a bit chatty with all the customers and eh, no problem so I'm there chilling then I notice all the other lines around me you know getting down filling up with more people but I'm not recognizing anyone that I started with my line's been at a standstill for the past few minutes so I peek ahead again Sure enough, bartender is salting the rim on a plastic glass because someone ordered a margarita at a football game. This is where people might disagree with me. You know, you say, you know, Matt, everyone wants to enjoy their experience just like you want to enjoy their experience. So if they want to show up and order a margarita, it's your fault for getting behind them in line. I don't know. Fair enough. But it's all kind of silly to me. Just seems so much easier to get a beer, get a cider, maybe even wine, because that's easy to serve, and then just get the hell out of there, right? So I rage quit from that line, do a few more laps around the stadium, find some grab-and-go beers, and take a hike to my seat. On the way up there, I see a Rams fan and his girlfriend being escorted out by security. So I already missed something not football-related. I show up to my seat and shuffle in. Guy next to me, without looking away from the game, says, It's not your seat, move along. Nice. Now, I'm a bit frazzled from everything leading up to this, and I figure in the confusion, you know, I might have made a mistake. That on top of me being human, sure. Uh, I ask what row we're in, and he repeats, It's not your seat. <laughs> so, you know, he's hit me and him are getting along like gangbusters. And this guy isn't going to go away from the story, so from this point forward, we'll just call him Scooter. So I'm double fisting beers, so I can't reach to get my phone. Now he squares his shoulders to me and says, These are my seats. I know it's not yours. I say, Give me a second, dang. Set my beer down, get my phone, get the ticket, and show him I'm in the right seat and section. Just take, take a few seconds and guess what Scooter says. Oh, you bought the ticket. Where you been? Thought you weren't showing. So think about the kind of person that sells his ticket online and then when someone shows up, starts, <laughs> you know, giving them a hard time that they're sitting in the seat that he sold. And it's all really interesting because it's actually a great way to get stabbed. Like anytime you see someone in the news, like a stabbing or something, it's usually someone talking to a complete stranger, like the stranger won't stab them. That's usually what leads up to that. But I do my best to ignore him sit down and try to get in the zone of the game he starts chatting me up motions to the guy on the other side of me and says don't worry about him he's drunk old gray-haired burly man that's swaying around while he's seated uh we'll call this guy jeff jeff is a, a class act i like jeff you know just goes there drinks keeps to himself but it's when i get situated that i realize that I may not be out of the woods with this whole jinx situation. Rams in the huddle. White horn helmets, road white uniforms. They're inside the Seahawks 10. Trailing 14 to 6 with 13 seconds left in the second quarter. Goff sends three to his left, two to his right. He's alone in the short shotgun. Play clock at six as he takes the snap, retreats to throw, fires middle. Caught by Cooper Cup. One yard deep in the end zone. Goff hits Cup with six seconds left in the half. Touchdown LA! 
in front of Bobby Wagner. Blah, blah, blah. We don't give a damn who he caught the touchdown in front of. But this is funny because what you just heard was the Los Angeles broadcast of the game. We're only going to do this with one more clip just so you can hear the contrast between how the different broadcasts call any given play. So here's how Seattle got that play. The Seahawks defense has continued to stop the Rams tonight. They've held them to two field goals, leading 14 to six on second down and seven. Three receivers left. Goff looks down the middle, throws it's in the end zone touchdown. Cooper Cup right between two defenders. That's one thing, Cooper Cup. He hasn't been in the league long in his third year, but he knows how to get open, and he did from nine yards out. <laughs> a lot more disappointed than that second call. So now it's halftime. Now leading up to it, Scooter had told me that he's been a season ticket holder since they actually built the stadium, and he can time when they have a TV timeout on the field with his bathroom breaks. I'll be honest, I can respect it. He takes off and I'm chilling and drinking. That's when this man walks down into the aisle and starts speaking into the row that I'm in, asking if that guy is still bitching about the spilled beer. I have no clue what he's talking about, but he's not talking directly at me, so I don't care. A woman walks from my row past me to the man. They start speaking. There's some Spanish involved. I don't pick up on most of it, but they're pointing at Scooter's seat and they seem upset, which means... You know, Scooter's a pretty popular guy in this section, so they must have had a spat with him as well. Uh, they leave, they do their halftime thing, and then Scooter returns and engages me in more friendly talk. Like just 15 minutes ago, I wasn't about to roll him down the stadium stairs. So whatever, I'm being polite. We're watching the halftime show, and Scooter starts complaining about the Seahawks in the offseason switching from cheerleaders to dancers to allow male dancers alongside the female ones. Are you getting an idea of what kind of person Scooter is yet? Second half gets underway and what do you know, some football happens. But a little later the Hispanic couple return and the man has something to say to Scooter. They have a really long conversation where they're repeating themselves over and over. The man's trying to give him money to replace Scooter's beer that was spilled earlier. But of course, nothing's ever easy with Scooter. So it goes on and on, the man sternly tells Scooter that if he wants a beer, he'll get him a beer, but stop bothering his wife about it. Be a man, talk to him, yada yada. The man leaves without Scooter getting any money or a beer, and the wife returns to her seat, which of course is in the same row as us, past Scooter, past me, past uh, my main man Jeff, and on the other side of him. Jeff is oblivious to all this, of course. Uh, lights on, no one's home, but he seems like he's having a good time. Scooter takes his seat and starts jawing about how the guy tried to give him $10 when the beer he spilled was $11, and he'd rather the guy had bought him a Bud Light or something instead of cash. He's telling me all this. Like, one, I care. Like, two, I'm not actively watching a game. And three, like, I don't have a jinx to break. You know, I'm, I'm focused. So you'll remember that I said that the man had told Scooter, stop bothering his wife about the beer. Go to him if he wants a beer or money or whatever. So if you can guess that Scooter went to the wife to ask about the beer, you'd be 100% right. And, you know, you're getting a, a good feel for what kind of person Scooter is. So they're talking. She looks visibly annoyed, but 
in control and he returns to his seat before I feel obligated to, to break it up because, you know, he shouldn't be bothering anyone. So now those of you that actually watched the game, whether at the stadium or on TV or maybe even saw highlights, know that the game was actually, it gets pretty intense as far as football games go. So I start getting into it. At some point, Jeff leaves and comes back with another beer. You know, he's got heart. And through all this, I find out from Scooter that he owns the row that we're in and the two rows behind us. And that we're actually in a little group with all his people. And They must have been pre-gaming because they're all pretty drunk and not too obnoxious, but just knowingly and visibly drunk. So there's a lot of back and forth in this game, like five or six lead changes throughout the whole thing. At one point, I'm standing up to get a better view. They're playing across the field. And I hear some rumblings behind me and a tug on my hoodie. And I turn around and say, hey, chill out. I'll pay for the seat. To which the guy replies, oh, we were waiting for you. You made it for the best part, the end. That's when the Hispanic lady and I lock eyes and kind of have a moment of solidarity. We know that her and I are having to deal with all these jackasses. So, she seems amused by the interaction. So now we're getting to the nitty gritty. I start pulling out my phone to see if I could catch a cool play on video, you know, for the gram or Snapchat or whatever. And I catch this live. Rush, Russell steps up. Russell scrambles. Looks wide open. Chris Carson catches it twice. Touchdown. Seahawks, the toughest play to catch is one where you're wide open, and Chris Carson did it twice from five yards out, and the Seahawks take a one-point lead. So as you can imagine, the stadium's going crazy, and you know, you hear Steve saying he catches it twice. What he's referring to is the ball getting thrown to Chris Carson, the ball going off Chris Carson's hands, up in the air, and then back down into his hands. But, uh, yeah, Steve wasn't backing down from that catching it twice call. But while this stadium's going crazy, everyone's jumping up and down, cheering, Jeff, he's done standing up. So he's remaining in his seat. He's coherent enough to understand that something good has happened in the favor of the Seahawks. And he looks up at me and asks if we won. Which, of course, isn't the case at this point, because now the Rams have the ball and they're driving down the field to retake the lead. But then... Man, I got all the favor, say I'm delicious. Oh my God. Takes the snap. Goff has time, throws inside, almost picked off again. Off the fingertips of Everett, the tight end. Diving for the ground, driving for the ball on the ground, that is, was Tedrick Thompson. And again, back-to-back plays where the Seahawks secondary almost ended this game with a pick. Wait a minute. Everybody on the sidelines, Pete Carroll says, hey, he threw the flag down. He said, our guy got his hand under that. After reviewing the play, the defender had his hands underneath the ball. While we were watching that review, or the replay rather, in the stadium, I get caught up in the moment and I just start shouting over and over again, he got it, he got it, he got it. A guy in front of me turns around, laughs, says that was funny. And then we hear that call, stadium erupts again. Jeff is confused as all hell. 
old seven-year-old lady that had been sitting in front of me the whole time turned around and high-fived me. Everything's good. You know, we're good. We're cruising. All the Seahawks have to do is run enough plays to run out the clock in the game while they have the lead. Sounds easy. But after a really awkward three and out, the Rams have the ball again and drive down the field for one last play as we're all just staring on in horror. Almost always money gets this one away. It's up. And it's so good! Greg Zerlon misses it! It started as a small roar from the Hawks' nest, and eventually we all saw it. It was a miss, and the Seahawks are going to dodge a bullet and win this game with 11 seconds left. So obviously it's a really interesting play that would ultimately decide the game's outcome. But what's even more interesting is that the end of the field that this occurred on are where a lot of weird plays have happened throughout the the Seahawks tenure at the stadium. We're talking about uh, where Tony Romo had uh, fumbled the field goal in the playoffs, Cowboys-Seahawks, that happened on that end. Uh, Where Golden Tate caught the infamous fail Mary catch happening in the end zone, and there's there's a handful of more plays. But meanwhile, here's Gramatica. Romo holds, 19-yard field goal attempt. Oh, it is fumbled by Romo, and then Romo's going to run to the end zone, and he's going to get tackled by Jordan Babino. Amazing. Unbelievable. So remember, when one team's happy, the other one's usually pretty pretty down. So let's see what L.A. had to say about the, the missed field goal. I need your energy. Back, the hold is down. Zerline hits it with the right foot, and his kick is no good. Over the right, upright, wide right. He missed it. Had an opportunity there. With 11 seconds left, the Seahawks storm the field in celebration. They dodge a potential game winner from Greg Zerlon. High life, high tide, don't drown, big breath. So when you go to watch live games, it's pretty much for moments just like that. You know, everyone goes crazy, the game's over, everyone's happy. And um, I look down at Jeff, he seems to kind of understand what's going on. I start shaking him by the shoulders and I say, now we won. And then I go to move, it's wet around my feet. I look down, and if you could guess that Scooter and all the commotion and all the hoopla about his beer being spilled earlier would then end up spilling his own beer at the end of the game, then you'd be 100% right again. Your energy. This world is killing me. Light it up. If you feel me, light it up. If you feel me, light it up. Oh, man. Talk radio? Yes, talk radio. So boring, man. Okay, okay. 